Welcome to Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Have you ever been lost? You may have taken a wrong turn and got off trail and soon night falls and you don't have any light to help guide you. Let's face it, on any given day, we encounter more darkness than we do truth. But God is whispering to us all the time, telling us which way to go, but sometimes the, the outside or the internal voices, they fill our heads. But God does more than just whisper to us. He gives us light. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God loves us so much, he provides a way. His word, only his word is our lamplight. Won't you follow? morning. It's good to be with you today. It's finally warming up in here a little bit. Um, all right, maybe you have seen some images like this before. It'll be up momentarily. There we go. You are God's masterpiece. Maybe you've seen it on a VBS shirt or an art studio. Likely you've heard that phrase, but do you believe it? Well, it comes from today's lamplight verse, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, which says, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, or masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well, we've been talking all series about how God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, so we need to look at this verse. We need to figure out what does it say and how can it light our way? And we've been going over and over about how to do that. We need to look at the context, right? Uh, Who wrote it? Who'd they write it to? What comes before it, after it, all of that. So our verse today comes from Ephesians. It's a letter from Paul to the church at Ephesus. He wrote it while he was in prison, and he wrote it to encourage and strengthen believers in their faith and to explain the purpose of the church. Well, I believe we will be encouraged and strengthened in our faith by the time we leave here today. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, So... What I want you to do with me today is I want you to look at these verses down in front of you as we study it. So if you've got a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and pull that out right now. And if you don't, that's okay. The verses will be on the screen, but I'd love for you to just see it and follow along with me. And then I also wanna remind you that when we go to God's word, a great first step is to pause and pray and to just ask him to speak. So I wanna do that with you right now. Lord, we just come to you and we ask that you would teach us Holy Spirit, draw out truths that we need to hear. Let us be attentive. Let our hearts listen to you, and may your truth be made clear today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in Ephesians. We're going to start with chapter 1, find out how Paul's opening this letter. So in Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 2, this is just the greeting. He's saying hello. Remember, this is a letter. 
And then in verse three, he begins praising God. So let's start here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Pause. We're going to do a lot of pausing here today. All right, so let's look at some of these words. He has blessed us. This is something he has chosen to do. But he blesses us where? It says in the heavenly realms. So we're not just talking about earthly blessings, things down here. We're talking about eternal blessings that will last forever. Things like salvation, forgiveness, the gift of his Holy Spirit who fills us with his fruit and with his power. And then the word that sticks out to me most here is every. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So we are not lacking anything we need. Verse four, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. All right, it says he chose us. That means to pick out for oneself, one from the many. He chose us what? To be holy, sacred to God, and blameless, free of anything that would bring us fault before the Lord. Then it says, in love he predestined, he appointed beforehand our adoption. I love this. Adoption is so much more powerful than just forgiveness or rescue. Right? This is a family term. He loved us to adopt us. And it said because it was his pleasure, his delight, his satisfaction, and his will. That was his choice, his determination. He thinks the world of you. And here Paul's already starting to lead into our lamplight verse for today. He's starting to hint at this idea that we are his masterpiece. I want you to skip ahead a little bit. We're gonna look at a bit of verse 11 and verse 13. It says, in him we were also chosen and you were also included in Christ. Chosen, included. We all want to feel those things, right? But I bet at some point in our lives we have not. But God has chosen you. God includes you. He chose you when? It said before the creation of the world. So let's go back to creation a moment here. God didn't have to make this world and people, but he did for his pleasure. And do you remember the creation story? After everything he makes, he says, it was good, it was good, it was good. But then when he made people, he saw it was very good. He delights in us. We are his masterpiece. He gave Adam and Eve every plant to eat except one tree, all the animals to rule over, the earth and everything in it was his gift to them, his gift to us because he loves us. That's chapter one. Now, very shortly after that, chapter three, they already blow it. If you know the story, Adam and Eve mess up right away. They can't handle that one boundary that God gave them, and now sin has entered the picture. And that's where we pick up as we transition into Ephesians chapter two. Paul's gonna address our sin. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, all people are born into sin. All of us enter this world guilty, and you need to look no further than toddlers to realize this is true. What are a toddler's favorite words? Mine, no, right? 
we all mess up daily and we kid ourselves if we think that we could have done better than Adam and Eve. The truth is we too would have failed. So go with me, Ephesians chapter two, verse one. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Do you catch that? All of us. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Well, I think most people approach Ephesians 2 and frankly the idea of salvation from one of two camps. Camp number one would say, people are generally good. So sure, you know, people aren't perfect, but you know, who's to determine right or wrong anyway? And these verses can't be right. Surely, you know, we're not all dead in sin and depravity. Well, this view can't be true because if people were generally good, why is there so much evil in the world? Why do we need laws and police to enforce them in jails as a penalty? Why are there wars? Why are people so stinking hard to get along with? We are flawed, but that's not by our making, that's by our taking. Adam and Eve took that fruit. The one thing that was off limits and sin and brokenness entered our world. You know, sometimes we don't see our sinfulness because we measure ourselves against others. We say, surely I'm not that bad, or look at so-and-so. But our standard of measure is not other people. It has to be God, our creator, the only one who's holy and blameless. There's no wrong in him, no ounce of evil, selfishness, no fault or blame. Measured against him and the absolute truth of his word, we all fail. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So hopefully you agree with me, camp one can't be true. So what about camp two? People in camp two believe, I'm awful. I'm undeserving of God's love and forgiveness. Well, the positive with this point of view is you realize the depravity of your sin. Good. So many of us forget to be broken over our sin and forget how awful it really is to God. But if you're in this camp, hold on for just a moment because we're hopping back into Ephesians and it's gonna address it. So we're at Ephesians chapter two, verse four. Remember verses one through three, we're talking about our depravity when we're lost in sin. Verse four starts with this, but, this is why I told you to hang on, but we were dead in our sin, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. All right, let's pull out a few words from here. God who is rich in mercy. Mercy is compassion, forgiveness. He made us alive when we were dead. What we shared earlier was true. We were dead and broken and in shambles, but because of God's mercy, he makes us alive with Christ. And then it says it's by grace you have been saved. This issue is so important that Paul will come back to it a couple verses later. Let's look at verse six. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Pause and realize the significance. 
He doesn't just reach down into that pit and lift you up a little bit. He doesn't just pull you out. He lifts you up and seats you with Christ in the heavenlies. Why? Why would he do this? Verse seven says, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. This is for his glory, to show how great he is because he loves you that much that even when you fit the description of verses one through three, you're dead, you're disobedient, you're gratifying your sinful cravings, thoughts, and desires, God still loves you. Some people think, well, maybe God would love me if I got saved or if I cleaned up my act first. But do you realize that whoever you are, wherever you are, God loves you right now. He chose you. He created you. He included you. He loves you just the way you are because of the incomparable riches of his grace. That's how he sees you with kindness, mercy, and love. So do you see the problem with camp number two? The problem with camp number two is that really we all are undeserving of God's love and forgiveness. But that's what makes him so great. He loves us anyway. He chooses us anyway. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus puts it like this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you hear his invitation? Come to me just as you are, just as you look, just as you smell, with your brokenness, your scars, your baggage. I'll take you just as you are. That is love. Like this pot, we all are broken. Sin has damaged us all. But if we think we're too awful to be saved, we're actually reducing God and saying he isn't powerful enough to save us or loving enough to include us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He didn't wait for us to clean ourselves up. He loves you right where you are. So can I challenge you with this? If you're watching online, maybe you're watching from home because you feel unworthy of coming to church. Or maybe you feel like you've got work to do before you enter this building. Can I just say that's a lie from the enemy? We already read in Ephesians chapter two that the enemy is at work in those who are disobedient. Satan, our enemy, is actively working to tell you that you're not good enough, that you aren't worthy. You better stay away. No one will accept you. You can't come as you are. Those are lies. God loves you right where you are. No one is good enough for him, but his mercy, grace, and kindness are good enough for us all. Now that we have the context, we're finally ready for our lamplight verse. You with me at verse eight? Here we go. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's all grace. 
Merriam-Webster defines grace as unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. That's a mouthful, so let's break that down. Unmerited, we don't deserve it. Divine assistance, help from God because we can't do it. Regeneration, to be made new. Sanctification, the process of becoming holy or like God. This is a gift, it's not by our works. Maybe you've heard this before, this is the whole idea of you can't earn your way to heaven, and it's true. And this is what sets Christianity apart from any other religion in the world. All the other religions, you're always trying to do enough, be enough, hoping to please this God or or fit that mold, and you never know if you're gonna make it. But Christianity says we know we can't make it on our own. We know we're not good enough, but God, in his mercy and grace, saves us anyway. It's a free gift of forgiveness. How many of you love presents? A lot of hands should be up, yeah. Well, maybe you're a really good gift giver. Maybe you're a really good gift receiver. But if I brought you a present, wrapped it all shiny and nice, and you took it home and you put it on the shelf, that present doesn't matter to you. What's in it can never bless you. It can never impact you. It's the same with salvation. God's gift is here for us all. He loves us all. He died for us all. You are chosen. You're invited. But if you don't receive that, if you don't take that and open that package, it does you no good. We are all God's masterpiece. He sees us beautiful the way we are, brokenness and all. So there's a Japanese art form called kintsukuri where they take broken pottery like we saw before and they patch it back together with gold. And they do this because they believe the piece is more beautiful because it has been broken. Can you believe that that's how God sees you? Now, when we look closely at our passage, verse 10 kind of seems to contradict verses eight through nine because first it says we're not saved by works, but then it says we're created to do good works. Well, which is it? And the answer is both. If the Bible seems to be contradicting itself, look closer. 10 out of 10 times, it's because we're misinterpreting what we're reading. You can't earn your way to heaven. Fact, works won't save you. However, God loves us so much and thinks the world of us that he invites us into his work with him. He wants us to be his co-laborers. He chose to use his church, his people, to bring the message of salvation to the world. God doesn't need our money, our time, our talents, but count it a privilege that he wants to use you. He wants to show you the amazing things he can do through you if you say yes. Many of us crave adventure. What's the next thrill, the next thing we can conquer? Well, God has the best adventure in the world waiting for you if you'll only say yes. Remember those great miracles we read about in the Bible? You know how God used Moses to part the Red Sea, Esther to save the nation of Israel, Peter to heal a lame man? God can use you too to do great and mighty things because you are his handiwork. Now, various translations translate that word like this. We are God's workmanship, handiwork, masterpiece, accomplishment. But it gets even better. 
God has prepared good works for you in advance. Your maker sees you. He knows how he designed you uniquely. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He wove you together as his masterpiece, uniquely made for specific works he prepared for you. How many of us have wondered, what's my purpose? Or why am I here? This passage in Ephesians answers that question. You are God's masterpiece. Your purpose is to do the works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. Well, sometimes it can be hard to figure out what are those works, right? Or sometimes I wonder, how many chances have I missed? Maybe God was inviting me along and I didn't hear the call, or maybe I lacked faith or obedience, or maybe I made excuses. I don't have time. I don't want to lead. Surely I'm not qualified for that. But because of this, I've missed out. Yes, God will find other ways of accomplishing his will, but he wanted me to be a part of it. I wanna tell you about a couple times where I did say yes when God invited me along and the great blessing that came from that. One of them was when I was in high school. I was very involved in my high school youth group and I just felt God saying to me, you know what? Just like this passage says you're chosen and included, you need to make sure everyone who walks through those doors to enter the youth group feels wanted and included and chosen. So I became the unofficial welcoming committee of the youth group and any new person would walk in, I'd go say hi, I'd offer to sit with them, I'd try to get to know them. So one week, this girl walks in, I say hi, we start talking and I come to learn that she's a Mormon and that this is her first time ever in a Christian church and she's here because her mom just got remarried and this is her stepdad's church. Well, she and I ended up exchanging phone numbers and we had several conversations over the next couple weeks and one night she calls me. She says, Shauna, I had a dream. Okay, what was it? She said, well, something was terribly wrong. I I knew I needed rescuing. I was hurt, I was crying and then this man came to me and he was reaching out but his hands and wrists were bleeding. Shauna, I think that was Jesus. I think he was telling me that he wants to save me and that I have to say yes. And I was like, yes, I'm sure that was. I was overcome. You know, I had goosebumps. I was like, wow, God. Uh, And she's like, Shauna, will you pray with me so I can accept Jesus? And so we prayed together. and, And as I reflected on that, I'm like, God was working on her. It was nothing I said or did. God was at work. But because I said yes to that tiny task of welcoming her, making her feel included, I got to be a part of her salvation experience and her salvation story. Another opportunity where I said yes, lately we've had some of our women go and and minister to the women of Hope House. We went at Easter, we went at thanks, well, it's almost Thanksgiving now, but we went for Thanksgiving, uh, and then we're gonna go again in December for Christmas. Uh, There's an opportunity still to sign up, ladies. QR code right there, you wanna take part? Uh, But when we went at Easter, as a result of our time there, two of the women were baptized. As a result of the message and the conversations that took place, We were invited in, we said yes, and look how God worked. And I was very blessed that day too because that day one of the women happened to be graduating from Hope House and was moving into her new home. And I went along and I helped unload furniture from our awesome furniture ministry here at MCC. I was unloading furniture into her house and helping her get settled and at the end she just gave me this giant hug. 
And she was so thankful and so appreciative. And I just walked away thinking, I feel like I was blessed by you more than I could have blessed you. It just was such a blessing to be there and to see her and to see God at work. And this was all because of a yes. He's inviting you in. You've been chosen first for his team. You're not on the bench, you're not on the sideline. He wants you in the game. Do you realize it's not the sole responsibility of Pastor Phil or our church staff to minister to our community or to build up the body of Christ? It's your job. Remember how we were talking about context? We looked at what's before our lamplight verse. We looked at our lamplight verse. Now let's look a little after it. We're in Ephesians 4, verse 12. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Pastor Phil, Pastor DJ, myself, all the rest of the staff, we're here to prepare you for works of service. We wanna prepare you for the work that God has prepared in advance for you to do. But you can't do it sitting in that chair. You can't do it sitting at home on your couch. You've got to get in the game. God's word is our lamplight. So what is his lamp showing you is that next step today? Maybe you're still caught up in Ephesians 2, verses one through three, that part where we're dead in our sin and transgressions, we're objects of wrath, but you know what? God is offering his gift. Will you take that gift and finally open it? Try his forgiveness and see that it's real. If that's you in your heart right now, just say, God, I want your forgiveness. Thank you for choosing me. Thank, me. thank you for your love, your grace. Make me alive with Christ. And if that's you, we're gonna have prayer partners down front at the end of the service. I encourage you to come and pray with them. Come and share that with them and allow them to pray for you. This is nothing to be ashamed of. This is something to celebrate for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Or maybe you're already saved, but you do not feel like God's masterpiece. You feel too broken. You don't see that he's ready to fill those cracks with gold to repair and put back together. Maybe just share with him, God, I'm sorry for my past sins, but I don't want those sins to define me. I want your love and your grace to define me. And for all of us, how about those works that he's prepared for us? We're all busy. There's lots of good things in our schedule, but are they the right things? Are they the things that God has called us to that are gonna blow our minds with how awesome he is that he would choose to invite us to join him on this adventure? So all of you just pray quietly right now in your heart and your mind. Say, Lord, help me to say yes when you call me into your work. God, give me wisdom. What in my schedule is from you? What needs to be cleared out? Lord, give me boldness to overcome insecurities so I can take that next step. Maybe it's to serve. Maybe it's to lead a group. We need leaders for our Colossian study in January. Maybe it's to mentor someone. Maybe it's to share Jesus with someone. Maybe it's to take on some of the load here at MCC. We need people to serve in our awesome kids ministry or to greet people as they arrive on Sunday mornings. You are called to participate in his work. What step will you take today?
Will you join him in the works he's prepared you for? The great purpose he has for you because you are his masterpiece. Go ahead and look up if you're still praying. Do you remember the camps that we talked about today? Do you remember camp one, all people are good? Or camp two, I'm awful and undeserving of God's love and forgiveness? Well, God's word wants us to live in camp number three. And here it is. Because we are God's masterpiece, he loves us not only enough to save us, but also to invite us to partner and work with him. Let's pray. God, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, but you give it to us anyway. You choose us anyway. You call us your masterpiece and you go a step further to invite us to partner in your work. Lord, help us to say yes. Show us that next step. May we accept your forgiveness. May we walk in it. May we see our new identity as your masterpiece. Lord, thank you for the adventure that you have awaiting us. Help us to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.